Coming up on this episode of Don't Panic, we try to figure out how the internet works, uh, figure out why WhatsApp is worth $19 billion, uh, talk about Apple's latest security flaw, and all the shenanigans Samsung is up to this week. All that and more on this episode of Don't Panic. This is Don't Panic, episode number 35, recorded February 25th, 2014, on Netflix's Pipe Problem, Facebook's $19 billion bet, and Samsung gets fit. Yeah, you feeling that? I can't hear it, but I'm going to assume it sounds great. Uh, let's uh, let's fade that down because uh, hello and welcome to uh, Don't Panic. Yeah, I know. I'm still figuring it out. Um, the ultimate technology podcast, gadgets, the internet, and you, the whole shebang. We're here to uh, to take this complicated stuff we barely understand and try and convert it to something uh, you get excited about. Uh, I'm Sean Jennings, joined as always by the co-hosts with the mosts. Uh, that would be Dan Miller and Colby Rabidou. Gentlemen, what's going on? Hola. Are you drinking, Dan? Yes. <laughs> you are a problem. Just <laughs> One night a week isn't bad. He can do it during the show. One drink a night isn't bad, right? It's like a little nightcap, end your day on a good note. My, Most my dad always had a glass of wine with dinner and a, a glass of scotch before bed. Your He's dad is like, living life correctly. He's badass. Scott is badass. <laughs> By the way, can we get him on the show sometime? <laughs> Probably. I think that'd be hilarious. I, uh, it might be a little late for him. That's the uh, only thing. Just we'll tell him to, to hold off on the scotch. <laughs> he can have it during the show. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, well, we're going to jump right in because we have got a butt-ton of news. Uh, Metrics or English? Imperial. Uh, oh, Imperial. 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 We're a global show, uh, so we're obviously going to focus on the U.S. Uh, <laughs> so let's uh, talk about some of the stories that were making news this week, and we're going to start off with uh, the most complicated of the bunch, and that would be the Netflix Comcast deal. Now, I'm going to try to explain this how I understand it. So, Okay. The way it works is, let's say, okay, let's say I'm a big multinational... Are you guys there? We're here, yeah. Oh, Mike, Mike, hang on. My connection is really... T- we can are see you-, you fine, if that's... And we can hear you fine, I think. Okay, well, I, I can barely hear you guys, but that's fine. I'll just talk, as long as you can hear me. Okay. Okay. So, the way it works is, let's say I'm a company like Disney, okay? And I have all kinds of content I need to get onto the internet. Um, what I have to do is I have to talk to a company who owns the pipes like a Comcast and get them to deliver my services, okay? Straightforward so far. Apparently, the way that works is through a uh, content delivery network, or a CDN. That's what connects you to your users, in the simplest terms. Most companies use a third-party service to get their CDNs, like a Disney, an NFL, a Viacom. Uh, There's a number of companies that do this, uh, and they essentially rent this 
connection from other companies. However, there are a few large corporations, Netflix, Microsoft, Google, Apple, who uh, have built or are building out their own CDNs, which means they connect directly to the grid rather than paying someone else to do it. I think that makes sense so far. Uh, so, a couple things. Okay. Do you, um, you know, <laughs> yes, <laughs> I don't know why I bother. No, go ahead. Comcast doesn't... So, when you say own the pipes, it's a bit of a nebulous term. Everyone owns some pipes. Like, you own the pipe that's going from your computer to the router. So, in that sense, you have a network. Uh, but in the sense that is Comcast, like, a top-level pipe owner... So is Comcast one of those companies that the NSA works with to pull down all the data all the time, always? I believe the answer is no. Uh, Comcast itself leases space on other, uh, I don't know what you call them. They're not Internet service providers, but they're these, these giant networking companies, the Equinexes of the world, Equinex is a big one, uh, Level 3, Cogent. Uh, so these are companies that consumers have never heard of, but big companies do business with for Internet. They own the backbone Internet stuff. Uh, also, so CDN's content delivery networks work a, a little bit differently than you described. So, uh, for example, don'tpanic.io uses the content delivery network insofar as that the content delivery network sits between our computer that serves a website and the user that's connecting to it and serves and optimizes that traffic so they'll pipe it over their own network uh, and also cache images and static things like that so yeah it's a little weird keep going though so CDN, <laughs> CDN isn't the right word, but I believe such a thing exists that you described. So, like, so for example, a, a top 50 uh, website would have its own data center, probably, uh, even though Netflix doesn't. Uh, and they would exist in a data center, and in order to get Internet into their part of the data center, they would pay one of those cogent level three Hurricane Electric, I think is another one, companies to get internet access. And the way that all of those companies talk to each other is through this process called peering, which I don't entirely understand, but basically uh, when, you set, when you make a connection from your computer to somewhere else, it goes all over the place. Like, if I make a connection from myself to Colby, there's no guarantee that it passes through the Midwest of the United States. It could go to Europe. It could go to Asia. Uh, depends on the configuration of the network and what's up and what's down and things like that. Uh, peering is this way that these top-level service providers and big companies, Google, IBM, all those service providers, uh, range direct links between one another for optimum speed, and at the end of the day, these are business transactions. So they're negotiated with contracts. Both sides want it because Google wants to be able to get to all of its users faster. So they want as many peering arrangements as they can get their hands on because more peering with more companies means that the users that 
use those companies get Google's stuff faster. Netflix wants the same thing. So if they can create a direct connection from their data centers, which are actually Amazon's data centers, to Comcast's data centers without having to hop over the big boy peering exchanges, they can get it faster. And it's a business arrangement, so it costs both sides money, but the idea is that there's a benefit for both sides. Yes, you nailed it, okay. as usual. So <laughs> I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grab the baton and keep running. So, okay, so now that you understand the technology, let's talk about the business. Traditionally, like Dan said, they go, there's the normal process, but what, Com what Netflix has done is they've just said, screw it, we'll just do it ourselves, and went directly to Comcast, said, we need more power, we need more juice, we need more speed, and they worked out a business agreement. Now, on one side, people would say, well, this is what all companies do. It's just people have made a big deal because it's an unusual in this case. It's Netflix is such a major part of network traffic that they kind of have some sway. Um, but in general, this is nothing to be worried about because this is how the Internet has always worked. Uh, companies making agreements to send their traffic through providers. On the other hand... Some people are making the argument that because Netflix is, is bucking this trend, um, that it's not creating, it's not a net neutrality problem. They're just completely avoiding net neutrality by just by going around the system. Um, so I'm going to read. What do you mean by avoiding net neutrality? So I'm going to read a quote from the Washington Post by someone who's much smarter than me. The, tr the conventional network neutrality debate implicitly assumes that residential ISPs receive Internet traffic from one big pipe. Network neutrality advocates want rules prohibiting ISP from divvying this pipe into fast and slow lanes based on business considerations. But in a world where Netflix and Yahoo connect directly to residential ISPs, every Internet company will have its own separate pipe. And policing whether different pipes are equally good is a much harder problem than requiring that all of the traffic in a single pipe be treated the same. Okay. Did that make sense? If there's a precedent yeah. for companies with large amounts of data paying to do direct business with ISPs, companies like Comcast have little reason to spend money beeping up the one main pipe and rather than... Uh, rather than doing it on a more narrow basis. Did, did that make sense? That makes sense, but I think the conception is wrong. So what is the main pipe? Like, so if you well, imagine... So I think, I think... Hang on one sec. So if you imagine that, like, this is Comcast, and then this is Netflix, and Netflix, instead of going up over here and down, now goes straight over... Yeah. All the users fanned out below it, like they're not getting it any faster. But I think I think the difference is, and maybe I'm not understanding this properly, but I don't think Netflix is paying Comcast to distribute their entire internet load across the globe. They're paying to reach Comcast customers. Yes, correct. So that creates a bias in that. It's the point of net neutrality is the internet is the same for everybody. In this case, it's not because Netflix is getting an unfair deal. If you're on Time Warner Cable, although that'll be Comcast, uh, but for now, if you're on Time Warner Cable, you're going to see slower 
speeds because Netflix isn't paying Time Warner to get faster delivery. I don't know. <laughs> I, 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 yeah. No, Colby, you, you wanted to say something? So, yeah. I think I think I understand like the uh, I guess net neutrality advocates wanting like suggesting that this could be a bad thing. I think because it could be a bad thing because it's hard to harder to police. I think that makes sense to me, right? Because if you have the these so if like the the big companies are only peering with these big uh, like network infrastructure providers and then and then Comcast is in turn making their own deals with those providers to get the to get just general data. Um, you have that like central point of you know like where you can kind of regulate. Well, I guess there's there's like some buffer between the the person who's selling people at home internet and and the people who want to get content to the people at home. Um, which, in theory, is good. So that being said, so so I I definitely don't understand this, but I, I like I could imagine a case of like what if the 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 big companies that Netflix or you know Amazon or whatever, however Netflix typically gets their their content to people, like if they're if their partnerships are not great, not well aligned with Comcast's, what if, like, it just it happens to be the case that, like, Netflix ends up being really shitty for co people using Comcast because of their misaligned, like, net arrangements. Is that a, like, I don't know if that's actually the case or if that could be the case. Uh, just a thought. So, I'm, I'm going to give this one more shot. There are several ways Netflix gets to you, okay, in the broadest term possible. Sometimes it goes through these uh, content networks that fan their content out to all the providers everywhere and, and act as a sort of middleman. So, the way this works is Netflix has their own... And what they say is they're like, yo, ISP, we'll give you computers that have all of our movies on them. Please let us put these directly in your data center as close to you as possible so that our customers on your network get them really fast. They've been doing this for a long time. And right. it's a mutually beneficial arrangement if the ISP cares about their customer's experience, which is not a given. And the way I understand this Comcast thing has worked is Netflix kept going to Comcast and saying, our users are not seeing good speeds. What can we do? What can we do? What can we do? And finally, Comcast said, well, you could pay us more money. or s money." And uh, Netflix, I guess, finally got to the point where they said, fine, we're so desperate to get a better experience to our customers that if that means paying you, um, 
then we'll do it. And I guess that's the fear is that whether it's set a precedent um, that now all of a sudden if Google, you know, the, the evil theory is that Comcast is then going to start slowing down all these services and going to Google or Apple or Microsoft and saying, you know, if you just give us a little more money, you can get to our customers faster. That's kind of right. the evil conspiracy theory. And I think that would be wrong, but I think that if Comcast is at the point where they're an equivalent to Cogent in Level 3 in terms of Google and Netflix and Amazon wanting to have peering exchanges with them, then that's fine. It's not like if you're a business and you're only ISP, which is a terrible idea, you should always have multiple, but if your only ISP is Level 3 and you have to hop over Cogent to get to your customer base, like... Is that a violation of net neutrality? That now you're slower for those people because of how you're not paying another company for a peering exchange? Yeah. Yeah, I guess it's like... Maybe why, why it feels scary is that... Like, no one really understood or acknowledged the existence of the bigger companies. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Most people don't understand. I mean, I certainly don't really understand what, what, what is actually going on. I told you to take that class, Colby. <laughs> I know. Like, I know. Yeah. I, d I didn't have time. <laughs> I mean, those degrees to use. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think this comes at a particular... I think it comes at a particularly bad time. We're, t what, a month or two out from the FCC's ruling on net neutrality, so that's in the news. We also have the Comcast-Time Warner merger in the news. Put those two things together, mm -hmm. and all of a sudden, all you have to do... You have to remember, I've seen reports that at certain points during the day, Netflix can account for 50, up to 50% of Internet traffic for some providers. That's not... A usual, that's a very unusual case. So if that means the largest right. internet provider and the largest provider of content have to make a separate side deal to keep the good experience going, I don't think that's necessarily setting this dangerous precedent that everyone wants us to believe. I think this is a special exception. But right. we'll have to see. Yeah, so I mean, I think there was... I believe we talked about it on the show maybe a month or two ago, like, there was, like, I don't know, someone put together, like, graphs of, of like, Netflix speeds up by ISP, mm -hmm. and, like, the Comcast one had just been steadily decreasing for, for months. Um, so there was, like, some speculation as to why that would be the case. Yeah. Uh, and some and this this was around the time uh, when when the FCC like not having the power to to enforce net neutrality was just breaking. So that was the I think that was the I'll I'll say conspiracy theory, but I mean I don't think it's that far fetched. But the the theory was that or some people's theory was that Comcast was doing this on purpose. Uh, to try and gouge more money out of Netflix. And then, like, and now, you know, it comes along, like, they made it, Netflix has made a deal with them. Mm -hmm. But I do agree that John has a pretty fair point that 
Netflix is not normal traffic by any standards at all. Um, yeah. Yep. That's what I think. I don't. I, I don't actually know. I I had an opinion about this and and uh, have slowly been grasping the scope of of all the stuff that I don't understand and it's it's quite quite broad. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I hope we did a decent job of explaining. Uh, what's what's going on and what it means for you. Um, we were panicking a little bit, but that's okay, because uh, we'll tell you not to. Uh, but we're going to move on to another massive story from this week. Um, how does $19 billion sound? Well, if you're the folks behind uh, WhatsApp, uh, you are rolling in it. Uh, $19 billion. So here's... A, here's I want to start this with a, with a quick... Game. Okay? I'm going to name a famous company or brand. And you tell me if it's worth more or less than WhatsApp. Okay? <laughs> American Airlines. Uh, before, yes. No, go ahead. I was just going to say before... Um, when this news broke, one of my friends posted on Facebook a link to a Tumblr, like, things that are worth less than WhatsApp. And on the list were some companies, um, but also, like, countries. Yeah. <laughs> like, big countries. Uh, it was pretty interesting. But anyways. Well, I was going to say, American Airlines. How much is American Airlines worth? I've never had a good experience on American Airlines, so I'm going to say that it's less than WhatsApp. $12 billion. Oh, oh I, I should have let you guess. Uh, how about um, how about Marriott International, the uh, hotel chain, the global hotel chain? Uh, I mean, I feel like Marriott Inter like a hotel chain has like real estate. I'm gonna say more again. I'm gonna say less. It's less. It's worth fifteen billion. Oh, closer though. Closer. And I'll give you one more. Uh, Mattel toys. I mean, they can't all be less, right? I'm trying to game the system here. I'm gonna say more again. I'll say less just to make it interesting. It was a trick. They're all worth less because 19 billion dollars is God. a fuck ton of money. Um, yes. Yeah, so other... Sean, I so I think I found the same list you're looking at. Probably. I think the ones that are more are even more interesting. The one that surprised me the most, Whole Foods? Yes. American Airlines isn't worth more, but really? Whole Foods is. Whole Foods is $19.3 billion. Sherwin-Williams is $19.4 yeah. billion. Macy's is worth more, but Sherman. Nordstrom is worth less. <laughs> Go figure. So, uh, I understand. We've got that, and then the other thing, Colby shared this, and I'm going to put it on the second monitor here, um, it, which you can't see very well, but I'll just tell it to you. Uh, oh, you know what, though? Let's watch as this completely crashes my computer. But hypothetically, there, can you guys see it? The quality is yeah. awful. Well, it looks bad for me, but I don't oh, know if you can terrible. see it. Oh, anyway, it looks pretty bad. 
this is a... Uh, let me see if I can ramp up the quality uh, and completely blow up any semblance of <laughs> internet I had. Um, so, uh, this is a chart Colby found of uh, price per user of famous tech acquisitions. Um, and what's interesting to note is some of the large ones, GeoCities, um, $830 per user. Um, Aardvark, which I don't even remember. Google bought them. Do you guys remember that? I remember, but I don't remember what it was. They uh... were a lot. Uh, other big ones include MapQuest, FeedBurner, Zappos. Uh, but what's interesting is WhatsApp uh, is actually on the lower end at $35.56 per user. Um, that's about a third of Flickr when it was acquired. Um that would be in line, let's see about some of these other ones. That's about ten times less than Zappos. Um, about half that of PayPal. Um, just to put it in perspective as we move into talking about um, the fantastical, amazing world of Facebook and WhatsApp. So, uh, as we discussed, $19 billion uh, going to the folks of WhatsApp. Um they are acquired by Facebook. Uh, it's interesting because after, uh, let's see, WhatsApp is used by over 450 million people every month. They send a whopping 200 million voice messages per day. Um, voice messages? Yep. Yep, over 600 million photos uploaded per day. Um and uh, it is growing by roughly a million registered users per day. Um, what's perhaps most interesting about WhatsApp is its international appeal uh, and the fact that most of this growth has come from outside the U.S. Um, but four years after launch, uh, an interesting statistic, Facebook had 145 million users in their fourth year. WhatsApp has nearly four times that. So the growth has been explosive. Uh, in places like Spain and Switzerland, uh, and generally abroad. So um, I will also note that there was a rumor going around that Google offered $10 billion. Uh, obviously, 19 is more, so they took that. <laughs> um, so what do you... WhatsApp uh, also got seats on the Facebook board, which I thought was interesting. They you got... hear that know. often. Wow. I know, I know almost nothing about this. <laughs> Which seems, like, but like they like legally they don't they're like the people who make these deals can't like talk about them to the company, so it's not like I I don't know I know as much as you guys do basically <laughs> so nothing. Uh, another yeah. interesting thing about this is that uh, the actual purchase price was $16 billion. Facebook is throwing in an extra $3 billion in restricted stock that will go to WhatsApp employees, which I think is nice. Uh, and that will vest over a period of four years. Uh, so it's a good time to be an employee. Um, so let's discuss... And there's only 40-some-odd employees. Yeah. 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 So it's it's good to be a WhatsApp uh, person. So WhatsApp let's or? a WhatsApper. Let's uh, let's talk about what this means for uh, for Facebook. I don't know, Dan. Do you have any uh, immediate thoughts on this glorious transaction? I don't. 
<clears throat> I don't understand business. Like, <laughs> what? What? So they're going to keep it as a separate product. Yeah. And I don't understand this about Instagram either. Is it, well, is it purely defensive? Are they just hedging their bets and saying, if WhatsApp takes off and MySpace is us, then we'll own WhatsApp, so Facebook will die, but Facebook Incorporated will live. Like, I don't understand. They're, they, they, they don't want to put ads on it. They aren't going to... Are they going to make all the WhatsApp users... Facebook users, but I bet you most of the WhatsApp users already are Facebook users because it's biggest in Europe, and Facebook is pretty big in Europe, except Russia. Uh, so I don't get it. What is, what's the gain? So I'm going to take a stab at this. Okay. Um, the, the currency online today used to be things like page clicks, ad revenue, the currency for businesses today is users. If you have users, you're considered a successful business in terms of your stock price, in terms of happy investors, in terms of happy users. The more users, the better. That was what played into the Instagram purchase. That's what's playing into the WhatsApp purchase. Facebook, to me, is not... They don't need everyone using Facebook. They need everyone using something they own. So it doesn't matter what it's called, it doesn't matter what it does, as long as people around the world are using it. And then that folds into their ads. So you'll remember when they first bought Instagram, they said, we have no plans to bring ads to Instagram. Well, wouldn't you know it, uh, in this past year they've rolled out a pilot program. They've said the same thing about WhatsApp. We have no plans to introduce ads. I don't think that's going to last. What Facebook wants is eyeballs. It's the same idea of Viacom owning Comedy Central and CBS and all these different channels. Because it doesn't matter what they serve up as long as eyeballs are looking at them. And I think that's the idea, because they saw here, and apparently this is true, that th while there is some overlap, WhatsApp reaches a lot of people that Facebook doesn't, and also the um, amount of daily interaction on WhatsApp is much higher because it's constant messaging rather than just checking your Facebook once or twice a day. Um, and the more eyeballs and the more impressions is more money for Facebook. I also agree that some of it probably is defensive. Um, I think it would have made a lot of sense for Google to acquire WhatsApp, because from what I've heard, their Hangouts uh, mobile SMS integration isn't... It's okay, it's not great. Um, but yeah, I, 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 that, would, that would be my guess. Is It's not about the Facebook brand. It's not about folding everything into one behemoth of a, of a service. Um, it's just merely about reaching as many people as often as possible on every device, no matter what. <laughs> that's so did, depressing. Did that, that makes... Well, it, but that's, <laughs> that's, that's where the money is. Facebook makes their money on ads. That's just a fact. And, you know, it's interesting. The $19 billion is a, is a little over 10% of... Facebook's market cap today. So, you know, you wonder why they get a seat on the board and things like that. I mean, they bet 10% of their company, which is a huge amount. It doesn't sound like much, but that is a huge amount, on this one messaging service. Um, it's absolutely fascinating that a big gamble, but it doesn't surprise me. And tomorrow, a service that sends, you know, 
I can't even, some ridiculous thing, but if 800 million people are using it, Facebook will buy it and put ads in it. God. That's, honestly, I mean, and it's not a bad business strategy. I mean, it's really not. You want to be where the users are. Um, so that that's my grand theory as to what they're thinking, and I think... I think the instant messaging space is a space they want to be in. The the quick messaging, the SMS style rather than Facebook Messenger, which there's some people use it for chat, but it's not like SMS is. Um, and I think that's an area they've wanted to get into. WhatsApp is just a good purchase for them. I don't know. Instant messaging feels like one of the worst businesses to be in. What instant messaging has ever succeeded? Well, they get replaced. I would argue AOL yeah. Instant Messenger was a massive success. It was, and now it's dead. And ICQ was the big thing before that. But and no I would, one even knows what that is. I'd argue AOL Instant Messenger was replaced by SMS. Sure. And now SMS yeah. is being replaced by WhatsApp, is at least the theory. Because it's faster, it's... Uh, it's being replaced by WhatsApp and Facebook Messenger and Hangouts and all the Asian companies that do the WhatsApp thing for Asia, and probably the Russian company that does the WhatsApp thing for Russia. But my guess is one of the first things you'll see is you won't see it called Facebook Messenger, but you'll see interoperability between Facebook chat and WhatsApp, you know, uh, automatically integrating your friends when you sign in through Facebook. Um, and all they've really done is, we, we all know that for a social network to be popular, the first thing you have to have is users. If your friends aren't on it, you're probably not going to join it. And I think this is what their messaging solution wasn't getting traction, and they said, well, we can buy 400 million users, fold them in, and create a one giant I thought you just service. said they weren't going to fold them in. No, I, I, meant, I meant fold in the protocols and things like that. It will still be called WhatsApp. You won't see probably any Facebook branding, but when you first sign up, they'll say, link in your, you know, like a million other services do, they'll say, link in your Facebook account, and we'll import your friends, and... That makes sense, and all they're really doing is creating a giant global network. That the reason I think SMS was so successful, every phone does it, you know, and they all work together. Um, and that's you're exactly right, Dan. When you say Hangouts and all these different services, they don't talk to each other, um, and it's about those users have, having the numbers. But we had so email works is so amazing. Everyone has email. You can make your own email client. You can email anyone. You can run your own email server and still get email. There's no, like, Gmail email is the same as Outlook. There have been protocols that do this for instant messaging. Google used to use one before they abandoned it, uh, that any client could talk to any other client on any network that spoke this language. But... They, I don't know, we decided that we wanted many different companies doing many different things in this space. I'm, I don't see it going back to that. And well, if Facebook's going to bet money on... I guess, I guess what the answer is, is is it mathematically possible for Facebook to keep buying companies that could distract viewers from the Facebook network before and monetize them fast enough to keep doing that? before they run out of money. I think, I think that's a misnomer, because you have to realize the Facebook network is not Facebook.com. Right. The Facebook network is massively... Think of every... You know, it's staggering to me, and I've just started to realize this, how many websites I go to either sign up for or log in with, and it's log in with Facebook. Sign up with Facebook. 
it's it's staggering. And all yeah, that doesn't mean they're making money off those websites. No, though. but they are collecting, and I don't know the details, data as to what services you're connecting to, and that hypothetically will lead to more revenue. Hypothetically. But what it's doing is it's creating... You're right. All these... Th- iMessage is a great example. People have been saying, why don't you make an Android app? It's a land grab at this point. And people are just grabbing as many users as they can, because you're right, there is no one standard. And... Facebook, by doing this, has proven that they are ready to stake their claim and grab as much land in this specific market. So, so like the Instagram acquisition, I'd be interested in what Instagram's numbers are now, but it seems like Instagram is like old hat now. Like, it doesn't get nearly as much attention as Snapchat does. Well, and attention is Snapchat's overrated. Snapchat's probably going to go the same way eventually. It'll be like, well, now we send, I don't know, tactile fist bumps to one another on our liquid displays. And I don't, you know. Well, and I I think it's partly Facebook filling holes. I, so what I'm saying is, yeah. like, the value, the $19 billion that WhatsApp is worth now is not guaranteed to hold that value. Oh, yeah. Oh, those users could all leave tomorrow for the next best thing. Whatever's yeah. coming next. No, you're totally right. They're putting and a giant. They're gonna have to spend up. even more on the next one. Yeah, you're not. You're not wrong. Okay. But but what choice do they have? You know, let let WhatsApp get acquired by Google. Let let them steal away their users and turn into a competitor. You know, I think I think what Facebook is trying to do is fill holes in their product. They found out people weren't using photos enough, they bought Instagram. They find out people aren't using Messenger enough, they buy WhatsApp. I honestly, if Vine wasn't acquired by Twitter, I bet Facebook would have been all over that um, to fill the hole in people sharing um, self-user-created videos. I bet, and I, I would put money down that that will be their next acquisition will be whatever the next non-Twitter-owned service to do personal video, I, I will bet, because they really, I don't think they do enough of that currently, but that's just my guess. Wonderful. Well, $19 billion <laughs> later, uh, let's move on to uh, Apple, Apple Crapple. Um so we'll talk about this quickly because we're going to end up running a little long tonight, but I think that's okay because we have a lot of news and we had some good discussions. Uh, but Apple uh, kind of imploded this weekend a little bit um, in that without any real notice, uh, they suddenly pushed out a very important update to iOS devices and today they uh, pushed out an update to uh, OS X. Um, Apparently, it was an SSL bug that was first discovered on Friday, um, and it is available on iOS going back to iOS 6, uh, OS 10, uh, and uh, it's apparently a big deal. But I'm gonna I'm gonna let you folks explain this as the programmers because it it would appear it's some kind of coding mistake. But I yes, indeed. Uh... A big one. I'm, I'm going to put together an example of how you would fix this, uh, but and it's going to take two seconds. Colby, okay. do, you, do you know what happened? Uh, I mean, I... Probably not enough to explain to a... a 
So while you're doing all right, that, I'll all right, yeah, all right, no, I got it. I was gonna do it live anyways. I just wanted. Oh god. Wow, that's interesting. <laughs> oh god. Oh god. <laughs> oh god. That's interesting. All right, so I'm gonna use my one screen share. Screen share of the night. Here we go. Click the button. Click here. There's gonna be some scary red arrows, but it's okay. Ooh. Oh, can we read this? Can we see this? Yeah. Uh, okay. So this keeps getting messed up. So the the line in question is this one here. So basically, what this is saying is, if some condition go to fail, where fail is line nine right here. And then if some other condition go to fail, but then there's another go to fail, which doesn't look too bad. You're like, oh, it just goes to fail again, but it would never reach that line, right? Uh, wrong. What this actually translates to is if we format this correctly, <laughs> Colby knows exactly what just happened. <laughs> so what's actually happening is is checking this, saying go to fail, checking this saying go to fail, then just going to fail oh. no matter what. And that and it never actually executes eight through ten. Oh. So if the SSL was malformed in this way, you would never know. Uh, and it would just go to fail anyways. So essentially, the mistake has made them skip a section of code that was doing right. a security check. Yeah. And without that security check, it is therefore vulnerable. Yep. Wow. Oh, thank you, Dan. That was a wonderful explanation. You're welcome. Um, I also want to and say that, that was all they had to do to realize their mistake, because once you actually format the code properly, it makes it pretty damn obvious. Well, and that's where the problem is. And maybe you guys... Uh, well, first of all, I want to say go to fail is the best, like, error ever. <laughs> because that, that's hashtagable. It's headlines. It's like, that's Apple's go to <laughs> fail. I mean, it's so perfect. Um, but And maybe you guys can speak to this. But they said that um, code testing should have been able to catch the mistake. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, if you, so, for that sort of thing, so, point, the, part of the problem there is that that wasn't, like, incorrect code, right? It, it worked fine. Um, it was just unclear code, or kind of ambiguous code because it wasn't it wasn't entirely apparent what exactly was happening uh, <laughs> from that line. It's not a not a huge mistake. Um, so what what typically for things like that we we in the biz uh, use what's called a linter, which essentially will go through your your code, which is probably correct. Um, in correct in that it will execute without without like a compiler error or a uh, like a syntax error and look for things like that that your company has deemed to be or your organization has deemed to be like just 
a bad practice. Um, that being said, it has to be, like, organizationally, it has to be accepted that that is a bad practice and written into your lint and included in your linter. Um, so it's, things like that are, like, a judgment call, right? Like, um, <laughs> most of the time it takes a, like, someone gets bit by this sort of ambiguity and then they're like, after, they're like, uh, we probably shouldn't do this ever again. Um, but, so, yes, in, in a sense, it could it could have been caught were it something that they were beforehand trying to catch. Yes. <laughs> that's a, yeah, it's a good point. Uh, other tests, it's really hard to test for the, like, the case where things not work. Like, that's how the Challenger disaster happened. Like, it's really, it's hard to design something not to do something. It's way easier to design it to do something. Because then you're going to like, it does the thing I said it, told it to do, therefore it works. Instead of saying, does the thing I want it to do, and also it doesn't do any of these other things that it could do uh, is a lot harder. Uh, another thing that in the biz we try to think a lot about is not to implement your own cryptography. If Apple had opted to go with some open source C-based SSL library, uh, they probably would have had a... That a, you know, none of the other open source, like Windows, Linux, Firefox, Chrome, don't have the problem. Well, uh, it is... I, I will point out that the... It's called Open Transport is the name of the service, whatever they call their thing. Uh, it was made open source with the Mavericks release. Right. So it the code they wrote is open source, but they rewrote, they implemented SSL themselves. They looked at, like, the math paper that defines how the cryptography works, and they did it themselves in a highly volatile shared memory... C language, uh, where terrible things can happen. <laughs> well, this is certainly a, uh, a so. Yeah, I, I have a question. Was this like? Is this Hello. something that's been in Mac Mac OS for ever? Um, you know, you know since. 10, since 10.9. And it was in iOS 6. Yeah. Right. Because that also required getting uh, Or maybe since 10.8. I think it was since 10.8. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Well, it looks like the bug was introduced in 10.9, but existed in at least some versions of iOS 6. They released an update for iOS 6 to fix this. Right. Yes, it, and that is extremely important to note, that everyone should go and update their uh, iOS and uh, OS X devices. Mm -hmm. uh, this vulnerability extends to every application built on the SSL library, including FaceTime, Mail, Calendar, and more. Uh, this is an extremely important update, and you should uh, execute it as soon as possible. Do it. Do it. Safety first. Um, okay. Peer, yeah. <laughs> or just don't get hacked. Um, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it up to you guys because uh, the time we're running at, if we move on to picks, we'll end a little over an hour, um, or we can go 
extra long and do the phone stuff, or we can push Mobile World Congress to next week. Hmm. So we, we can uh, go an hour. I mean, and I'm fine with doing it now. I feel like if we wait till next week, it's not even relevant anymore. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's do it. Um, we're going to start with the smaller of the two announcements. That would be Nokia. Um, the uh, Windows handset manufacturer, soon to be owned by Microsoft, um, did the craziest thing they could have possibly done, and they announced uh, an Android phone, uh, these wacky, crazy people. Um, it's, it's called the Nokia X. Um, I am going to, when the computer catches up, I'm going to read you some information about it um, from this news article. So it's going to come in... Three models, X, X Plus, and XL. Um, it is uh, low-cost hardware. It's going to be... Well, these are in euros, so I don't know how that translates. But unlocked, it's going to be $1 to $200, <laughs> very low. Um, now, it's important to know that this phone will not be coming to North America um, or Western European countries. So you won't be able to buy it here. But it is interesting... Um, because of the fact that they run Android. Uh, other things, let me read you just some quick stats on this. It's a pretty mediocre phone. Uh, 4 gigabytes of storage, 5, 12 megabytes of RAM, but you can use a micro SD card. 4-inch uh, display, 5-megapixel uh, rear camera, 2-megapixel front camera. Um, they are They look like phones. Um, but the interesting thing of note is the operating system they run. As we know, uh, Nokia the last couple years has primarily run Windows Phone. Well, they've decided to go a little nuts. Uh, what it is is it's actually a forked version of Android, similar to what Amazon does with the Kindle uh, Fires, where they've taken the base code of Android, but they've removed all the Google stuff, uh, including the Google Play Store, and are running their own Nokia App Store. Um, it's important to note that it will come with a, what they describe as a Windows Phone-like UI, and I'll scroll down a little bit so you can see it on the monitor here. So basically squares. Um, and it will come... Squares! Squares, you know. Um, and it will come pre-installed with um, Microsoft services, uh, such as uh, the newly named OneDrive, Skype, Bing, things of that nature. Um, so you won't be able to buy it here, but it's certainly a big deal for this company that's uh, very shortly about to become a Microsoft company. So any uh, any thoughts on this? It's dumb. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. But that being said, maybe, like, I could have... Are you guys there? Yeah. Okay, your your picture stopped working, but I'll keep talking. Um, so maybe maybe I could I could imagine a case in which Nokia was trying to to have a lower end offering and maybe uh like Windows Phone eight or nine or whatever it's eight now, right? Windows Phone eight just like they couldn't it didn't perform well enough on the hardware. That they wanted it to, they they were shooting for uh, for the price point. So maybe it was that sort of thing. Um, like maybe that's the reasoning behind it. Especially if it's coming installed with Microsoft stuff. Uh, 
it, from that point of view, I think it sort of makes sense. What is important to note is that two things. One, Windows Phone is actually relative... I don't have the exact number, but I know it's relatively expensive to license, especially compared to Android. Mm. Um, the other thing to note is that Windows Phone 8.1, which is the update that's coming in a few months, um, is going to be a little more flexible when it comes to smaller and more low-cost devices. There's going to be more sliding scale for the licensing. Um, Nokia already makes low-end phones that run their Asha, which I think is based on Symbian, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so, to me, if they were never going to make low-cost phones running Windows, um, it makes more sense to use Android than it does to use Asha Symbian. Um just because it's a more common and more accepted operating system. It's just that the problem is they don't have the Google Play Store. They have their own app store, and uh, Amazon, it took them a long time to get their app store running well, and uh, Microsoft is still having a hard time getting Metro apps written. So, um, especially because there's only three phones that are only available in uh, non-U.S. markets, I I'm really going to be curious who's writing apps for this. Yeah. Especially because it seems like they're just going to kill this in a few months. So, couldn't you know. It, couldn't it be like the Amazon thing where you just log into Samsung.com and upload your Android binary and you uh, don't have to make a separate app from your Android app? I would hope. They haven't said exactly how that process will work. I, I have to imagine that it won't be... You'll probably have to do some work, but it won't be impossible. Um, but I just don't know. You know, a Facebook or a Twitter will do it, but I don't know, you know, if I'm making an app, you know, a Flappy Bird, you know, a small app, what's their, I mean, they barely make those for Windows Phone, what's the advantage to doing it for Nokia's Android offshoot for only three phones that are only available in non-U.S. and Western European countries that may not be around in six months? Yeah. But yeah, it'll be interesting it, it to is, see. It does seem weird. I mean, maybe, maybe it was one of those things, like, they were doing it anyways, they were like, well... Might as well. Well, I was telling Dan before the show, if I had to get all conspiracy theory, I would say that Nokia came, went to Windows many months ago, and said, listen, we think you should buy us. You don't think you should, but look at this. And then they hand them the Android phone and say, yeah, we're going to dump your ass uh, in a heartbeat. <laughs> I would, And we're the only people still making Windows phones, so I kind of recommend you acquire us. And then because they showed it and built it, they actually decided to release it. That would be my theory. And now that they've been acquired, I don't think there's any long-term for this product. But that's my wackadoo theory. Hmm. Um, but we'll have, to, we'll have to see. It's going to be interesting to see how the phone is received and how the app stores do. Yeah, yeah. That sounds like an annoying challenge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do not... Well, I'm just glad I'm not Microsoft and Windows Phone right now, because that's a, <laughs> an uphill battle. They're going to have a tough time winning. Uh, let's move on to the bigger of the of the the biggest probably announcement uh, going on at Mobile World Congress, and that would of course be Samsung, uh, the world's second largest phone manufacturer behind Apple. Uh, they announced the update. Uh, first, the phone, the update to their Galaxy line, the Galaxy S5. I'm now going to attempt something that may completely implode the internet. Um, and that would be oh, to, yeah. to play a video... Oh, shoot, it's not working. 
God damn it. This is why we can't have nice things. I'm going to continue to work on this while I describe it. Uh, it is the uh, Galaxy S5 uh, smartphone. Uh, it's smart and a phone. Um, I will... It exists in this galaxy. Apparently. So Samsung claims. Uh, I'll just read you off some specs here quick. Uh, it's 5.1 inches, 1080p super AMOLED display. Um, it is, interestingly, IP67 rated, which is uh, meaning it can be submerged in up to three feet of water for up to 30 minutes at a time, uh, which is kind of a pretty great thing if you're, you know, commonly dropping your phones in the toilet or things like that. <laughs> uh, which apparently, I read a statistic, and it's something like 30% of Americans have done that. So, I guess it's... I've never time. dropped my phone in the toilet, but I have dropped other stuff in the toilet. So, <laughs> like, I could see it happening. Well, so that's what you're supposed to do in the toilet, Colby. That's not... That's allowed. That's allowed. <laughs> All right, cool. So while I talk, uh, you're going to watch this uh, Verge hands-on video. Look at that. Hey! I'm excited. Whoa, it's muted, though, Sean. I, well, because I'm talking. Um, oh, yeah, no, you don't. No, you get to hear me, Dan. Come on. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, it launches with Android 4.2 KitKat. Uh, it's got a uh, bezel. Or maybe I'll just narrate the video. Um, <laughs> it's got an interesting kind of perforated back. Uh, it comes in a series of colors, including uh, blue and gray. Um, <laughs> it's got a focus on health in that on the back. There's actually a heart sensor. Uh, you see it in this video. It's right next to the flash on the back, and you I don't know how it works. You put your finger over it for 10 seconds, and uh, it can read your heartbeat. Um, and they will track that with a new health app they have. Um, one of the biggest new features is the uh, fingerprint sensor. You see them uh, sampling it here in the video. Uh, it's inside of their home button, similar to Apple. The difference being is that on the iPhone, you just kind of push your thumb, where on the uh, Galaxy, you slide your thumb uh, over the scanner, uh, and it's integrated. Uh, they've also partnered with PayPal to enable payments via PayPal using your fingerprint, which is something Apple currently doesn't do. Um, let's see. It's got a faster processor, a little more RAM, a larger battery, camera, 16 megapixel with 4K video support, uh, real-time <laughs> HDR processing. 4K video 4K. taking... They're claiming you can do it. I don't know why you would, but God. they're claiming. Um, so that's pretty much the highlights of the uh, of the Galaxy. Any question or comment? <laughs> I don't... Here they're showing some I... of the software refinements. <laughs> yeah. They can use a few or <laughs> a million. Um, I, what do you guys think about the the health stuff integrated into the phone? Like, I feel like there have been a bunch of rumors of app, Apple doing that for the next the next iPhone. Um, I just feel like it doesn't seem like what I want. Like, I don't want. Use Apple's or Samsung's fucking shitty fitness app. I want to use a fitness app from somebody who like makes fitness apps, and they're awesome because that's what they do. I don't what know, if, what, what you, if what it you... just had the hardware that people who make fitness apps could use? Yeah, that's and I think that's that I don't know with how it works, but that's Android's 
advantages over Apple. Well, Apple currently has that with the uh, that M processor or whatever it's called. Yeah, they do have an API for that. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think the the health stuff I think makes more sense in a in a watch or a band as we'll talk about in a minute. Um, yeah. And I think you know who's who's going to check their heartbeat on their phone. I think it's a very niche audience. Um, you know, so I, we'll have to see. Right. Cool. But yeah, oh, no. Dang. It, into don't panic. That's amazing. Yeah, we, we have the technology, and I got another video, too, we'll watch in a second. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, it's another Galaxy. I'm sure it's going to be a fine phone. Millions of people are going to buy it. Uh, the short version is fingerprint scanner, heart rate scanner, um, and better optics on the camera. That's that's pretty much your differences there. And it's, it's dust and water-resistant. Water. Yeah, water-resistant. Cool. Samsung was very specific Sorry. not to say... No, I don't want to correct you, but Samsung... Want you to know you can't like chuck it in your pool and leave it there overnight, because um, it will not work. Right. No, that's cool though. Right. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm interested in in getting my hands on it and actually holding it. Uh, as I've probably mentioned before, in the next coming months, I'm in the market for a phone, so uh, I got to look at all of my options, and that includes the S5 now. Um, let's move on and talk about the other things Samsung announced, uh, and that would be their uh, wearables. Uh, they did three. I'm going to roll another video while I talk over it, because I'm just great like that. Um, it was three wearables. It was the uh, Samsung Gear 2, which is the follow-up to their watch from last year. There is the Gear 2 Neo, which is a slightly lower version, not that it's of lower quality, but it has a plastic versus a metal band and things of that nature. But the third and perhaps most interesting is the Galaxy Gear Fit, which is the thin, curved screen band that goes around your wrist. Um, the updates to the Galaxy Gear 2, uh, let me just be certain that I'm getting this right, uh, include the camera. Do you guys remember the camera uh, was on, like, the itch, like, you had to shoot out this way? Yeah. They finally put it on the uh -huh. front. Uh, and they also oh, put a, they put a home button on it, which was also I thought really something Apple would never do. But they put a home button on the front. Um, it's got it's a little thinner. Um, outside of that, there really isn't a ton of changes to the uh, Galaxy Gear full watches. Um, the most interesting product I think is this Galaxy Gear Fit. Um, it's got a curved Super AMOLED display that's also touch. You see it here in the video. Um, and it's it it's more of a band than it is that kind of chunky square watch. Uh, almost kind of like a Fitbit in a way, maybe a little bigger and a little thicker. Uh, it's got bands that you can interchange. Um, it has a heart rate sensor on the underside, so hypothetically it's always tracking your heart rate because it's always on your wrist. Um, it has a touch screen, so it does have a limited number of ways you can interact with it. Um, you know, including canceling calls, reading messages, uh, doing things of that nature. Um, let's see if there's any other interesting things I should note. Um, as before, all of they claim all of their wearables work with over 20 Galaxy devices, which means if you don't own a Samsung, these devices are useless, which really pisses me off. <laughs> um, Wait, why? Really? Yeah, that's their... Okay. Well, 
The other interesting thing to note is that all three of these wearables are now running their Tizen custom operating system rather than Android, mm-hmm. which was another part of the, the announcement. The original gear ran Android, um, and they switched it to... Um, to Tizen. So, uh, what do you guys think of these uh, wearables? And, and I think, any, I think any the fitness. I think the fitness band one looks kind of cool. It like, I mean, realistically, I'm not gonna go get one because I don't have a Samsung phone, I guess. Uh, but if I were interested in one, it would probably be that one. I like. I mean, I have a Fitbit. Been wearing that for for. Probably like eight months now, mm-hmm. eight or nine months, and you know I, I like it a lot. So that that I I could see some appeal in that one. I think the gears are just ridiculous looking. Like, have they sold yeah. any of those? Did anyone buy one? I don't think that so. <laughs> I, I would even see one in real life. And I live I live in Silicon Valley. I should have seen one if it was cool. At one point, I know they were, like, basically giving them away when you bought other Samsung products. It was like, buy a TV, get a gear, buy a phone, half off a gear. I mean, they were, like, giving them away at one point. Um, yeah. But I completely agree that this is the, the absolute form factor I want in a wearable. At least that goes on your wrist. Um, I think that's yeah. one of the things... I think it might... That's one of the I, things... I think it might... Damn it, latency. <laughs> um... I just I was just gonna say I think it like might be a little a little bit chunky still on top, but it definitely seems like they're moving in the in the right direction. It's very un Samsung like, quite honestly, in that it's it's yeah. it's interesting and it's relatively original and it reminds me a lot of the pebble in the way that it's a little more narrow, a little more curved. Um but then you get the entire upside of having this beautiful color AMOLED touch display. Um that this is absolutely something I'd wear. I'm just, like I said, I just really hate the fact it only works with other Samsung devices. Um, I shouldn't be surprised, because that's kind of how Apple does it. Um, But, you know... Well, Apple Apple doesn't have a product like this, though. No, but like AirPlay, for example... is probably just going to... Yeah. Yeah, so... I would I would be very happy if they even to other Android phones, not even necessarily Apple products, but even other Android phones. That I think would be a much higher selling product. But I, yeah, I, I like it. I don't know, Dan. You've been quiet. Any thoughts? Uh, what does it do? It does the same thing all the other uh, smart bands do. It's a combination of health, so it has the heart rate sensor on the underside. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And so is there like an app and like a website and everything? For the health stuff? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so it uses, I like I talked about, on the S4 or the S5, there is the new Samsung Health app. It integrates with this. Uh, I don't know if there's a web version. I have to assume that they somehow get that off your phone. Um, but, yeah, so that integrates with that and pedometer and all that. And then the other yeah. half is, yeah. Yeah, I like the screen. It looks pretty. Uh, but I don't... I'm, so I like the I like the fitness band. I'm not sold on the smartwatch yet. Well, it's mostly notifications. I think that's the leg up Pebble has is that it's a little more. Um, you can actually do stuff with it, um, yeah. especially now that they have their app store. Um, hmm. 
I don't know. Like I said, I think I don't think this it's the be all end all. I just think it's a step in the right direction. Yeah, no, totally. Especially for not sold like... on interacting with my watch. That's fair. That's fair, Dan. Maybe we'll have to send you down to the Samsung store again and. Uh... Oh, no! Don't <laughs> let. Don't send me back. <laughs> don't make me go. Oh man! Yeah, we'll have to get a first-hand report from the fun that is the Samsung experience. <laughs> <laughs> What is uh what's the battery life like on those? Uh watches? they they on I know on the Fit they claim up to three days, uh of use. That's pretty bad. You, you'll you'll have to see. Well, <laughs> it's the full color touch display too. Right. It's it's better than I was expecting, I guess. <laughs> yeah, you won't have to charge it every night, but you know I I think if a product like I think any wearable really needs wireless charging, that's really. Because then you just you take it off that's, anyway. You just true. throw it on the table. You just electrify your entire bed. That and yeah. And then I don't even have to take my phone you out of my pocket. <laughs> you just lie down with all my devices around me. Just make sure that all of your clothing's made of conductive thread. That's genius. <laughs> Patent that before Apple does. What's uh, the worst that could possibly happen? It's all upside. Um, wonderful. Well, unless you guys have any other thoughts, uh. That wraps up the enormous chunk that is news. Um, let's move on to some picks this week and see if we can burn through these. I'm going to volunteer to go first. All right, go for it. Um, do you guys like free things? No. Okay, well, then this isn't for you. So <laughs> Usually it means Facebook's about to buy the thing I was using. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they will. You never know. So what's what's interesting about my pick this week is... Uh, what if I told you you could get free movies and television shows? You don't have to pay a cent. But you have to submit to the evil overlords that is advertising. Mm. Mm, yeah, think about that. So, <laughs> my pick this week is called HitBliss. H-I-T-B-L-I-S-S dot com. Uh, and the concept behind HitBliss is that advertisers want to reach you and you should be rewarded for watching the ads. And the way they reward you is in uh, movies and TV shows. So I'll try, and I've actually used this, and I rented a movie, and I did the whole thing because I want to give you guys a first-hand experience. But the way it works is you first earn hit list dollars, and you do that in one of two ways. And I'm going to attempt to share that. I'm going to use my one screen share to show you hit list. There we go. Uh, if you can see that, okay. Um, so here we go. I'm going to go into earn. And so I currently have a balance of $6. You can earn up to $5 in any single day. And the way you do that is by watching ads. So I'll click, uh, I've ex earned the maximum balance for the day, so I can't do that. But uh, they show you a series of ads. The other is personalized. Now, some people are going to be a little creeped out because hipless likes to monitor your web search and your web history to serve you relevant ads. Okay, I know that sounds scary, but I want to point out that tracking cookies do this anyway in ad networks. I just want to point that out. So it's not that but they don't tell you. I know. Well, and I will say HipList makes... Ignorant. They make a big deal about how we never send your information to our servers. Instead, we send all available ads to your computer, and it does the filtering on your own machine. That's why it's an app you actually have to physically download. It's not a web service. Um, so they claim, but 
And you don't have to give them that information. It's just the more information you give them, the faster you earn your dollars. So I gave them all my information except for my income because I don't make any money. Um, and I found that you earn about a dollar for two minutes of ads. So it's about four 30-second ads for a dollar, which really isn't a bad rate if you think about it. That's you'll earn your $5 in about 10 minutes, which isn't that's like 30 bucks an hour is the rate you're going for, which really isn't, I don't think, too bad. Uh, they do make sure you watch the ads. They've got different tools. Your volume can't be too low. They'll pop up a little thing. Are you still watching? And you have to click. Um, so, yeah, so I gave it a shot. I watched some ads. Uh, and then you take that money and you use it to buy movies or television shows. What's wonderful is they just launched into beta integration with Amazon. I was worried that I'd have to watch the movies through the HitList service, but you don't have to. You can actually go on and exchange the money for the Amazon digital version, which is great because that works across all your devices. You know, iPad, Android, my Roku, uh, which is wonderful. So, um, Overall, it was a nice experience, and I really actually, I don't have too much, as long as you're fine with watching ads and letting them know a little bit about you, um, it's actually really easy. You can burn through, if you have some time to kill, burn through some ads, uh, build up that money, and um, get some free stuff out of it. So uh, it's called Hit Bliss. Uh, it's available for Windows, Mac, and Android. Uh, no iOS app yet. They say it's because they have to work out the privacy thing and not send, you know, tracking your information and sending it uh, back and forth. Uh, and uh, that's so, what, yeah. I'm sorry. I you you might have said this and I just didn't didn't get it. But are those like just rentals, or do you actually get to like own the movie? So that's a great Forever. question, and I did not say that. Uh, the majority of the movies are rentals, but the TV series you buy okay. by the episode and you actually own those in the long term. Um, so you can see here, here's Top Gear Episode 1, buck ninety-nine, which is the same as it is on Amazon. Um, yeah, so it's this, and the movies are, you know, $2.99, $3.99 a rental. Here's... Pacific Rim three ninety nine. So you know, for in it in that's well, what did I say it was? Four minutes for a dollar. So that's eight sixteen minutes of my time. So I don't value my time very highly, so I don't mind. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Hitless, give it give it a shot. Get a free movie out of it. Uh, uh, submit to submit to your advertising overlords. Okay, uh, that's uh, that's my pick. Who wants to uh, to roll next? I have to go next because I'm not sure if this will work. <laughs> that's really promising. <clears throat> nice, right. it worked. Okay, so my pick for this week is this Mac app called OmniGraffle, which is... Doesn't it cost like a million dollars? It only costs a hundred dollars, which isn't as much as it seemed like when I was in school. Also, work gave it to but me for in, free. In app prices, that's like a million dollars. Yeah, but... I don't know how to do anything. I don't know how to do graphic design, and I made this diagram by hand. I, like, told it how to style the boxes and make it look like they were colored in with crayons, and it looks so pretty and professional, and I did it, and I feel so proud of myself. This is, like, the best thing I've ever made. Uh, <laughs> so OmniGraffle... They're by the Omni Group, the same people who make Omni Focus and a couple other things. Uh, Omni Focus I recommended previously. You can 
rotate things in crazy ways so I can like select this thing and just like Woo, I'm gonna rotate you over here and I'm gonna draw some lines between things and things like that. Uh, it's like Visio, but Mac and makes it and it looks a lot less like enterprise and way more like fun. Uh, and the <laughs> website is omnigroup.com slash omnigrapple. And let me check how much that actually is. Da, da, da. Yes, let me buy you. There's also an iPad app, but I don't know. I feel like... Yeah, the iPad app's an additional $50. Yeah. I feel like the, you couldn't be as awesome. Yeah, so OmniGraffle's $100 for one person. Uh, ask work if they'll get it for you. Yeah, this is really this is beautiful looking. This is great looking stuff. Thanks. I'm I'm genuinely impressed. Outside Me of too. the enormous price, but you're you're right. You should ask your company to get it for you. Yeah, yeah. They probably they might have a site license, and you just ask and that's great. Ta-da. Wire framing, interactive drafts. The stuff is cool. Yeah, and and you, the really cool thing is in conjunction with Keynote. You can just command A this, select it all, copy and paste it right into your presentation, and it turns into a vector graphic so that you can resize it without it getting blurry. Nice. Seriously awesome. Yeah. OmniGraffle. Check it out. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, Nice. Colby, you do know this is a technology show, right? We talk (laughs) about technology. Fuck that. I'm tired of technology. <laughs> All right, bring, bring us your analog pick. Um, so it's kind of technology-y a little bit. But last week I went on a tour of Alcatraz in San Francisco, um, which was cool. If nothing else, it was worthwhile for the awesome views of San Francisco you get from Alcatraz. But they had um, the first, like, museum audio tour that I've ever enjoyed, ever. (laughs) Um, It was basically like... I mean, it started out like every other audio tour you've ever been on, right? Like, they hand you this some weird-looking like MP3 player-like thing. You put on these headphones. Um, The difference is... comfortable state-of-the-art headphones, too, right? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the headphones were a little 1990s, but... (laughs) I'll give him that. I'll give him that. Um, so, but the, so the difference was that once you hit the play button, you literally never had to like. It wasn't one of those tours where you went around and typed in the number of the thing you were standing in front of. It was like essentially an ongoing story that directed you to walk around the like the prison. So it, imagine the prison is just like. It's just the prison, like, as it was, not as it was, but essentially laid out as it was um, when it was open. So there's no, like, there's no, like, arbitrary, artificial, like, walls, like, hurting you around to one place. You're just listening to this, um, to this, this audio tour, which tells you, it says, now, you know, it's like, turn to your left and you'll see this sign, walk towards it and look at the picture. And it was, like, really fantastically paced, and it was really interesting. It was like a story. Also, one thing that helped was Alcatraz wasn't open very long. It was only open for, like, 30 years. 
Um, so, so I think this story was much more digestible in like an hour tour than it would have been had it was if it were a, a longer lived phenomena. But uh, it was really cool. So if you're ever in San Francisco, want to do something fun, check out Alcatraz. Very good, Alcatraz. That's, that's my pick. Yeah, real life stuff. Real life stuff. You can go there. You can't go to an Omni Graffle, but you can go to Alcatraz. Google hasn't, like, strapped a camera on someone's back in there yet? Really? No, I'm just being what? sarcastic. <laughs> oh. 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 Oh, sarcasm, yes. Nerd humor, that's what we're here for. <laughs> All right. Well, um, uh, you guys have anything else before we uh, wrap for the evening? That's all I got. We're good. Well, that was just an action-packed show. Uh, we appreciate all of you for joining us and watching along. Uh, our fans are the most important things to us, so thank you. Uh, all awesome. the inf all the information about us, and you should definitely interact with us because we. I know I don't have a life. They might. I don't. So you should interact with us. Don'tpanic.io is the website. Links there to our Facebook, uh, to our uh, listing on iTunes, so you can subscribe as well as our RSS feed. You can also subscribe, uh, and all of our past episodes are there. Um, so definitely check it out. Tell a friend uh, and uh, give us your feedback because we'd love to hear it again every. Monday night, except this week, uh, at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific. Um, I think that just about wraps it up, so now I get to do the fun part where I, uh, where I fade in the music. Can you hear it? Yeah, I see, I still can't hear what's coming out of the mixer, so uh, I'm just going to... I'm just going to assume the music sounds great. Uh, and I will wrap up the show uh, by wishing everyone a fond farewell. We'll see you next week with more Don't Panic. <laughs>